Well, the word of the Lord is, I spy life. That'll preach right there. I could just drop the mic. Turn to someone next to you and say, I spy life. I spy with my little eye something called life. I'm looking at my wife as she's pregnant with our fifth baby. I spy life in her. I spy life in this church. I spy life in you. And you know, God dropped that word in my heart several weeks ago. I was, um, it was cold. It was like below freezing temperatures here in Tulsa in the month of February. How many of you guys remember the insane like two weeks of snow and ice and negative nine degree weather? And in the midst of that, I, I was watching as trees were literally being just destroyed by the snow and the winter weather. And, and there was one specific tree in front of the church that I have loved ever since I've seen this tree. This tree's been through a lot and it has a testimony to it. This one tree, at the end of those 10 days of, of winter weather, it had turned brown. All the pines had turned brown. I've got a picture of it right there. And I was like, no, you know, and as I'm driving up to the church from a distance, I'm like, I spy death, you know, I spy a dead tree. And I felt like the Lord was saying, get a little closer, get a little closer. Never judge something from a distance. Things can be deceiving from a distance. You can, you can see something that looks life-giving from a distance and you get closer and it's actually dead. You can also see something that looks dead from a distance and you get closer and there's life. And so I got close, I got out of the car, I got really close to the tree and took a picture of one of the pines that you couldn't really see, it was so small, but right there, right there, I saw a little bit of green. And I, I just felt these words drop in my spirit, I spy life. Now thankfully, just seven days ago, I drove up to that same tree because we were getting ready to remove that tree because we weren't sure if it was gonna last and I had to detach myself from the tree. I was like, I am not the tree. The church is not the tree. It's not my testimony. If we have to replace it, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was praying for the tree. I was laying hands on the tree. And, but thankfully, seven days ago, we, we didn't replace it. Seven days ago, I drove up and sure enough, that little, little pine has now produced greater green little pines growing. And if you were to drive up outside, there's beautiful green pines starting to sprout all across that tree. Be careful how fast you throw something away. Be careful how fast you're, you're quick to remove things that look painful in a season. And God says, I have a way of turning things around. There's life still there. I spy life. If you have a Bible, go to Genesis chapter 8. Come on, Jesus. We love the word. We get excited about the word. Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. But God remembered Noah. God remembers you when you've walked through a flood. God remembers you when you've walked through a pandemic. God remembers his covenant with his people when they've walked through difficult, troubling trials and circumstances. And, and God remembered Noah. And by the way, the flood had destroyed the whole earth. Everything that was living had been destroyed. I remember watching a movie um, years ago with Ashley, and it was, it, was, it was one of those end of the world movies. I forget the name of it, but, you know, the whole, like, it was like the whole planet had, had basically been destroyed, and there was, like, a few people that survived, and at the end of the movie, the music becomes very epic and beautiful, this instrumental building, and 
this narrator comes on and the narrator says something like, life is beginning again. The flood has ended. We will rebuild and restore and we will uh, build civilization again. And, and I was watching that movie and I was thinking about Noah. That here Noah and his family, they had survived this flood that, that destroyed everything. And then it says, God remembered Noah after the flood. And, and, and all those that were with him in the ark. And so the water receded after 150 days. So months and months of just destruction and pain and flooding and, and no life. And so verse 6, after 40 days, Noah opens a window and he, that he had made in the ark. And he sends out a raven searching for life, looking for life, looking for signs of life, looking to see if there's hope for the future. And, 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 and then the, the raven returns and there's nothing. He comes and there's nothing, right? So then Noah sends out a dove to search and, and see if there's life. The dove comes back and has nothing with him. And so Noah's discouraged. He's wondering, are we ever going to see life again? Are we ever going to see restoration again? Am I ever going to see things get better again? What's going to happen to my family, to my marriage? What's going to happen to our business, our dreams? Will we see life again? And then it says in verse 11, he sent the dove out one more time, and this time when the dove came back, it brought back a freshly plucked olive leaf. And then Noah knew the water had receded from the earth. Somebody say, I spy life. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us today, God, on the life that you've called us to live, the life you want to produce in us and through us. God, I pray, Lord, for any person in the room who's walked through a flood or is walking through a flood or walking through a season that feels so destructive, God, I pray, Lord, that you would birth fresh life in them, and God, help us all to hold on to that hope, knowing, God, that there is life waiting for us, there is joy, there is hope, there are new beginnings that you have, in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, thank you, Carlos, so I love the game I Spy, I play this game with my kids all the time, and we'll be in the car driving to school, and after about 15 minutes, though, I'm kind of done with the game. I'm like, all right, let's stop. Because <laughs> we keep going, I'll spy something, I spy something red. They're like, is it that over there? I spy something green. Is it the grass? Is it the trees? Is it that street sign? And, and usually when we're playing the game, I spy, you know, we want to try to trick each other. We want to get each other to think it's something out there when it's really something in the car or something that's much closer or something that you have to look a little bit harder. You have to take a closer look. And, and, and it's not always the first thing that your eye sees. It's, again, you've got to be careful not to judge the thing that your eye sees first, assuming that you know what it really is. And I think about how in my life there's been moments where I thought that I saw something and I had to take a closer look. In Job 14, Job himself, he had walked through his own flood. He had walked through his own pain and trials. And he had lost so many things that were near and dear to him, right? He had lost family members. He had lost his health, he had lost his job, he lost his riches, his house, everything had been taken. And it says in verse 7, there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. So here Job is reflecting on, on life as a tree, right? He's connecting his life as a tree. He says, the roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump may die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. In other words, Job is saying, things may look dead from a distance, but with just a little bit of water, with just a little bit of hope, fresh buds can grow again. When I look at what's going on in our world right now, and I see springtime here, you know, in our state, I'm seeing flowers grow and trees blossom and bloom. I'm, I'm reminded that God always has fresh life after the winter. 
He always has fresh buds that he wants to produce after the cold, hard, rainy months, right? April showers bring May flowers. I spy life. Job was having to encourage himself that life will return again. I will sprout again. Growth only comes when trees are planted in the ground and they're able to endure the rain and receive the sunlight. And I've got a prophetic word for someone in the room. The flood you walk through is getting ready to, to, to produce in you fresh sprouts and fresh life. And what the enemy meant for harm, God's going to turn around for your good and for your growth and your development. And you're going to flourish and you're going to thrive and you're going to produce fresh fruits as a result of walking through what you've walked through. I spy life. I think about that tree that we almost removed. You know, just, and again, coming back to nine years ago, that tree was struck by lightning. In 2012, I remember that, that tree out in front of the church driving up, and it had literally been split to the stump. It was only two and a half feet tall with no pine trees growing out of it, no branches growing. And I called the, the person who works outside with, with our church, and I said, I think we need to remove this. He said, no, 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 Paul, trust me, leave it in the ground. As long as a tree is planted in good soil, no matter what storm it goes through, it will produce fresh buds again. Leave it in the ground. Leave it in the ground. I'm speaking to someone right now. Don't be too fast to uproot yourself. Don't be too fast to uproot from, from something that seems painful in the moment. There's acres of diamonds. There's good soil right below your feet. And so I, you know, I was talking to the guy. I said, are you sure it just looks bad? And sure enough, that, that tree grew. I'm going to throw that picture up again. That tree grew from that two and a half foot trunk. It began to curve up and grow a pine. Now it's almost 40 feet tall, right? And then nine years later, it almost gets killed again. This tree has been through some stuff, right? Like I'm looking at this tree and I'm like, I am not this tree and this tree is not me. But this tree has a testimony. And so when I saw this tree starting to like, get attacked and, and, and like the weather was trying to kill it, I literally called some of our team members. I was like, guys, you need to pray for this tree. You know? And they're laughing, and I'm like, I'm out here laying hands on this tree, just praying for this tree. And they're like, Paul, you're not the tree. It's okay. I'm like, I know. But I just want to see this tree, like, grow. And, and again, had I been too quick to uproot it, I would have missed out on the testimony of what God was bringing. Again, that tree is budding fresh life again. Look at that picture of that I spy life. Throughout the Bible, trees are mentioned more than any other topic outside of God and humanity. The third most mentioned topic in the Bible are trees. So it's people, God, and trees is the next most mentioned topic in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, first thing God puts in the world is trees, right? Day 1 is light and, and night, and day 2 is is water and land, and the next thing he does is trees. Before he puts fish in the sea, before he puts animals on the ground, he starts planting weeping willow trees. He starts planting magnolia trees. He starts planting bald cypress trees. God, in fact, the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, there's a tree of healing, producing leaves for healing for the nations. Trees are a big deal to God, and God oftentimes reflects on our lives as trees. In Psalm 92, verse 12, are you guys okay if I give you a lot of scripture today? Okay, because this, this stuff makes me come alive. I love trees. It says in Psalm 92, verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, right? We are called to, to, to grow. Big trees start as small seeds. 
God wants you and I to grow into who he's called us to be, to develop, and to flourish. Everybody say flourish. He wants us to grow. It says they will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, those who are planted in the house of the Lord. So the fruit comes from the root. When you're rooted in God's house, you produce much fruit. You grow into who God's called you to be. When I was a little boy, when I was seven years old, my dad bought me a birthday present that I'll never forget. He bought me a hatchet at age seven, like with a sharp blade from Walmart. It was a hatchet. Y'all know what a hatchet is? Okay, I was just making sure you guys knew what a hatchet was. (laughs) So I got this hatchet, and I was so excited to use it. And my mom was like, Billy Joe, why did you get our seven-year-old son a hatchet? He's like, he needs to learn how to become a man at a young age, you know? And she's like, he's seven years old. And he's like, he can handle it, you know? And I love that. I love that, that my dad trusted me with a hatchet at age seven. So I took that hatchet, and I went into the backyard. And I was like, I'm going to get some firewood for the family tonight. But I didn't know how to spot which trees were dead and which trees were alive. And, and I went and I started literally hacking away at what I realized was my mom's favorite trees. I, y'all, I destroyed my mom's favorite trees. Literally cut them down to the stump. And they were like beautiful flowering trees that she had been working on for a while. She comes running outside. She's in tears. She's like, what have you done? You destroyed my baby. You know, she's screaming and crying. And now y'all know where I get my love for trees from, from my mom. I have this ingrained image of my mom being very upset with me at age seven and, and showing me how much she was passionate about trees. But she cried and she took that hatchet. I didn't see it for the next five years. She hid it away. <laughs> my dad, he felt bad for buying me the hatchet after that. But you know, thankfully, my mom was able to get some fresh trees out there and and see life grow again in the backyard. And and I think about how sometimes in our life we feel hacked at. We feel like the, the, it's like life has just taken a swing at some of the things in our life that we feel like we're once producing fruit, we were once passionate about, we were once enjoying, we were loving it. And then over time, things happen and, and, and you feel like you just get hacked at. You feel like you just get... It's almost like the enemy is just taking swings at your life. And he wants to try to destroy your hope, destroy your joy. If the enemy can get you discouraged, if the enemy can get you defeated on the inside, you stop producing fruit on the outside. Right? That, that's his goal is he comes to still kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Life that's flourishing, that's thriving. The righteous will flourish like cedars of Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will grow. They will flourish in the courts of our God. God's goal for you and I is that we would flourish, that we would produce fruit. Everybody say produce fruit. What does that mean? That means that we would would be like Jesus, that we would be productive in our purpose, that we would be productive in who he's called us to be, that we would not be withering away, that we would not be losing our passion for life that we would not be spiritually declining, spiritually falling away from God. No, that we would grow both spiritually, but even grow in our purpose and our gifts, our calling. And so I want us to go to Mark chapter 11 because Jesus tells us a story about a tree. And again, all throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, you'll find trees and stories about trees. And then Jesus walks up to this tree in Mark chapter 11, verse 12. It says, um, we'll start with, let's start with verse 12. It says, 
The next day, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He was hungry, right? Jesus was not just hungry for food. He was hungry to see people following God's purpose. Jesus had a hunger to see Jerusalem change. He had a hunger to see people set free from addictions. He had a hunger to see people uh, uh, in, in love with God. He had a hunger to see people obeying God's voice. So in this moment, there's a connection here. Jesus is not just physically hungry. He's hungry to see the world recognizing who God is and following God's way. So seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf. Now let me stop right there. Fig tree and leaf means it's not yet the season for figs to be on it, but it is the season for the, 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 the buds to be showing that figs are on the way. Figs are on the way. A fig tree, before it produces figs, always has initial buds, edible buds that you can eat that are small, and it basically tells you a harvest is coming. There's always a prefig before there's a fig. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can always spot when someone's on their way towards growth. It's like those people who say, I may not be where I want to be, but I'm signing up for things that are going to get me where I need to go. So I'm signing up for the discipleship course, and I'm going to start on. By the way, let's, let's give it up for all those who just graduated from discipleship track at Victory. We had hundreds of men. In, if that was you, would you stand up? If you went through our discipleship course here at Victory, 12-week course, you graduated. Come on, cheer on these men and women who just graduated from discipleship at Victory, taking your next step. I spy life. I spy spiritual growth. And I'm telling you, there's always a prefig before there's a fig. There's always, you sense there's signs of life. When you see someone go down to the altar call and they're repenting, that's, that's, that's a prefig before the fig. You say, well, their, their life hasn't changed yet. Oh, but they are on their way, my friends. Harvest is coming. You can sense when a tree is about to produce fruit. There's, there's edible buds that are growing. You can sense when an apple tree is starting to produce apples. You may not see the red apples yet, but you see something small that's beginning to grow. I spy life. Be careful judging things from a distance. You got to take a closer look. So Jesus sees a fig tree in the distance, and he's hungry. He's looking for fruit. He's still looking for fruit in the church in 2021. He's looking for fruit in America and the church in America, and the church around the world. So he draws close to this fig tree, searching to see if there's any fruit on it. When he reaches the tree, he finds nothing but leaves, not even edible buds. In other words, this tree has stopped producing fruit. This tree is supposed to be in the preseason of fruit-producing figs that are growing inside of it. Edible buds should be on those leaves, but there's nothing but leaves. Now, Jesus is about to connect this with something else. But before he does, let me show you what, what he says. He says to the tree, Jesus talked to trees too. Y'all wonder why I talk to trees? Because Jesus talked to trees. Don't call me crazy for talking to the trees. He says, tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. That might sound harsh, but Jesus wasn't just speaking to the tree. He was speaking to a religious system that needed to die in Jerusalem. There was a religious system that in Moses' time had some fruit, but over time it lost its fruit. 
It was necessary in one season, but Jesus was saying, in order for a brand new fruit tree to grow, what's here needs to die so that something fresh can grow again. Jesus is about to show us. Watch. He walks away from the tree, and he reaches Jerusalem in verse 15, literally the same part of the passage. He walks past the fruit tree, comes up to Jerusalem. It wasn't about the tree. It was about the people. He enters into the temple courts, the church, and he looks around, and he sees religious systems set up, booths and tables, people exchanging money and coins, people not really honoring the house of God people not producing the kind of fruit that the father was looking for. And he begins to flip tables over and he begins to drive out with a whip. Like Jesus got intense. Watch me whip, right? Jesus went in there with his whip. Watch me then. He, he begins to flip the tables. He begins to whip and he begins to push people out. Y'all didn't know Jesus did this. He be <laughs> this is where the dance started. Started in the temple. Jesus starts driving out the religious people, the Pharisees, and he says, my house will be called a house of prayer. So Jesus was saying, you are the fig tree that's not producing figs. And in order, in order for a new way of approaching God to come to the world, this system has to die. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. That's what he was saying. He was saying to the fig tree what he was saying to the temple. He was saying, religious leaders, your time is up. A new, a new covenant is coming. Moses' covenant is no longer sustainable. A new covenant is coming. A new way. You're, now Jesus comes in and he's eating with sinners. And he's loving people that the religious people pushed out of the temple. And Jesus is letting people belong before they behave and belong before they believe. And he's changing the way people approach God. And he's saying the old fig tree has to die in order for a new fruit tree to, to grow in the temple. Jesus was saying it's time for change. So then he leaves the temple. And by the way, the chief leaders in verse 18, it says the priest and the teachers, as soon as Jesus confronted what they were doing, it says they started looking for a way to kill him. They started looking. When you start messing with the hornet's nest, they all start coming after you. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. Watch, we're coming full circle back to the tree. In the morning, they went along the road and they saw the fig tree, the same tree that Jesus spoke to. And this time it was withered from the roots. And Peter remembered what Jesus said and said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered away. What Jesus was saying is it's time for a new day. It's time for a new tree. Have faith in God. God has called his church to produce good fruit. He has called you to produce fresh fruit. God has not called his church to become stale and religious and wither away and our stiff-necked, stubborn religiosity. No, God wants us to produce fresh fruit in 2021. The church has a purpose. So Jesus is calling his church, he's calling you and I to flourish. And when you go back to Psalm 92, verse 12, it says the righteous will flourish. When, when people are planted in God's house and God's house is full of God's presence, by the way, it is the job of pastors and leaders in the church to make sure that we are guarding the, the soil of the house so that trees can grow, so that people can, so that this is a beautiful forest of amazing believers who are producing fruit and growing and, and producing fruit even in their old age. But you and I, we have a responsibility together. 
together we are called to be a fruit-bearing church. And it's not just the pastor's job. It's your job too. Your job and my job, we go hand in hand in order to produce fruit. Planted people prosper. Planted people pray. Planted people grow. Planted people bring others into the house. And planted people flourish. When, when, when people are planted in God's soil, in God's house, and they're receiving the nutrients from God, they begin to flourish. I want to define the word flourish for you. Flourish means to bloom, to blossom, to succeed, to get ahead, to do well, to go further, to grow, to develop into a healthy, vigorous way. When people tell me that they think the church is supposed to be like poor and we're supposed to be under the circumstances, I'm like, you haven't read your Bible. God has called the righteous to flourish like a palm tree, to flourish like a cedar in Lebanon. Have you seen those trees? Those are some big trees. You seen the peaches on those? I'm telling you, God has called us to produce much fruit. He has not called the church to be diminished, discouraged, poor, and poverty, always asking banks for money. No, God has called the church to be the bank, to change communities, to flip neighborhoods upside down, to change poverty rates in the city, to, to employ people, to start businesses, to send out missionaries. And I'm telling you guys, when the church is flourishing, when you're flourishing, we're able to bring so much glory to God. So flourish means that we would produce much fruit, to thrive, to be an influence of impact and a development of thriving, flourishing culture. That's what God's called the church to be. So here's the question. What, what is wrong when I'm not flourishing? When I'm not flourishing, what's off? I want to give you real quickly five reasons why people stop flourishing when they're planted in God's house. What, five reasons why people stop growing, stop flourishing. Number one, soil problems. Soil problems. I could do a whole series on soil problems. Soil problems. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Jesus talks about soil and trees in Mark chapter 4 verse 3. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. What he's talking about here is the seed of the word of God. This is good seed right here. How many of y'all believe the word of God is good seed? All right. Now, oftentimes we think, okay, the seed is, is what the pastor preaches on Sunday. That's not just it. The seed is also what your parents are speaking to you at a young age. The seed is what you're speaking to your spouse. So the seed went out. I'm just looking for this. I'm just asking for this. I'm just looking. I'm looking for a harvest on some things that I've been asking. Like when I was little, my mom and dad, they would sit me down and they would sow seed into my heart and mind. They'd say, Paul, honor your father and mother. Obey. This is the will of the Lord. My, my parents, they would sow seed into our, don't, 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 don't treat your brother like that. Don't do that. What were they doing? They were sowing seed. They were trying to help me to produce good fruit in my life. So, so Jesus says, a farmer goes out, a single mom goes out, and she sows seed in her son or daughter. A, 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 a coach goes out, and he sows seed in, into his team. And as they were sowing seed, he was scattering the seed, and some fell along the path. So the preacher was sowing seed with the sermon, and, and the seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. So the first group, there's these people that they're receiving the seed, but as soon as they have the seed, the birds come and get it. This is like sitting in church, and I'm preaching, and, and the Twitter birds are just coming on your phone, and they're just eating. You're distracted from the message. Instagram birds, Facebook birds. Your phone is distracting you from the seed that's trying to produce fruit in you. So Jesus is saying the seed goes out, but people are so busy on their phones, so busy on their life, 
they're missing the seed that's trying to get rooted in their heart. My question is, are you receiving the seed God's trying to put in you? So the birds came and they ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. We're talking about soil problems. Why do people not flourish? Why do, why do people not flourish? And some people would say, well, the soil is the pastor's job. He has to make sure that the church has good soil so that I can flourish. I hear you on that. But let me push back a little bit. Let's talk about the soil here at Victory. Here at Victory, we provide an environment where people can hear the word of God every single week, in person and online. Even in a pandemic, I made sure that we provided soil where people could come and receive the word of God. Not only that, this soil provides opportunities for outreaches, missions trips, even in a pandemic, sending out teams to minister north, south, east, and west Tulsa. Every week, the Tulsa Dream Center is yours to be a part of. It is yours to participate in. Not only that, we provide a Bible college where people can grow and learn and take a step further. Not only that, we provide discipleship courses for men and women free at no charge for you to come on Tuesday nights. Take a step further into the soil. So the soil is good here. We provide a school. We, we provide a camp in the summer. The soil is good here. Let me ask you about the soil of your heart. Because it's not just the soil of your church. It's the soil of your soul. You can be in good soil at a good church and not be flourishing. And you can go, well, the pastor's not planting the right seed. The sermons aren't my favorite sermon. We need T.D. Jakes to come in here. We need John Hagee. I need Perry Stone. I don't know who you like. <laughs> Furtick, whoever, you know. doesn't matter how great the seed is. If the soil's not good, it will never produce a harvest. And you blame it on the church, but you got to take responsibility for the soil of your heart. It's getting quiet in this charismatic church in the 11 a.m. service. Somebody say, I'm responsible for the soil of my heart. In other words, I cannot delegate the responsibility to forgive people to my pastor. It's not my pastor's job to forgive the people who've offended me. It's my job. And if I don't forgive them, even if my pastor preaches on forgiveness every week, my soul has rocky soil, and rocky soil does not allow any roots to go down deep, which means that I won't flourish as long as I'm holding on to bitterness. How's the soil of your soul? Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, so the, 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 the flowers sprang up quickly, but they withered away when the sun came up. The plants were scorched, and they withered away because they had no root because there was too many stones in their heart. Other seed fell among thorns, thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. What thorns have you allowed to grow in the garden of your heart? Thorns, so that these plants, these trees did not produce the fruit, the grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. Come on, I'm looking at some good soil in the room. I spy life. And it came up and it grew and it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times what the seed was. God intends for us to multiply the seed that's inside of us. You know, this last year, right when the pandemic hit, I, I hadn't written songs for, for 11 years. Last time I'd written a song was in 2008. And then the pandemic hit, so 12 years. Pandemic hit, and all of a sudden, this intense rain, this intense flood that was meant to try to destroy, that was meant to try to squash, it began to produce a harvest inside of me. Some 30, some 60, some of hundredfold songs begin to flow out of me 
Why? Because I allowed the rain to go deep into the soil of my soul. And I asked God to make sure there was no rocks down there so that God could begin to produce new, fresh buds of life, productivity in my purpose. And I'm producing fruit. And I'm telling you, the fruit is not just the fruit of the Spirit. Well, I'm producing joy, peace, patience. God also wants you to produce songs and books and businesses and new strategies and new ideas and things that can shift culture. God wants you to be productive in your purpose. Whatever your purpose is, he doesn't want you withering away in it. He wants you producing a hundredfold. So soil problems. Again, if the, if the seed is good and it goes into good soil, it will produce and it will flourish a great harvest. But no matter how great the seed is, if the soil is rocky, if the soil is thorny, if the soil is shallow, the soil determines the impact of the seed. Number two, the second reason people stop flourishing is pruning problems. Pruning problems. Uh, we don't like to be pruned. But once again, Jesus talks about trees in John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of the tree that does not bear fruit. Everybody say, ouch. Ouch, yeah. So he's, he's coming in as a pruner, as a gardener. He's got his pruning shears. And he says, that's not producing. That's not producing. And then it says, Jesus says, but even the ones that do bear, even the branches that are bearing fruit, he prunes them so that they will be even more fruitful. So in order for life to become even more lively in your life, there's things you have to gradually continue to let go. We are a hoarding society. We hold on to everything. If I was to go into your garage, your attic, your storage closet, I would find some things from a long time ago. I still have like some lint that I've held on to from my shorts pocket. Like it's sitting in a little box. And um, I don't even know why I'm holding on to it. It just has memories. The lint has some memories. Just a piece of lint. I have papers from when I was a kid that I don't know if I still need to hold on to. Some of us are holding on to relationships that served a purpose in one season, and God says it's time for a shift. You're stepping into a new season. We're holding on to strategies that were important for one season, and God says you need to prune that because you need to develop some new strategies. You're getting stale, leaning on what was once good in 2014, but it's 2021. It was right for then, and it's not like it's evil today, but it's no longer fruitful. So let's prune that. Let's prune that so that you can produce more fruit. And pruning is hard. Pruning is difficult. Someone gave me a book several, uh, a couple years ago called Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. And, and I didn't, I'll be honest with you, I didn't finish the book. But the chapters that I did read were really good. And as I was reading this book, he was talking about how Christians have the hardest time of letting go of anything. We just hold on to things and people and ideas and traditions. And, and the flag has to be on the stage. And, and the, the choir has to stand here. And we've got to have flowers at the front. And we've got to sing shout to the Lord every single Sunday. And I'm so thankful for a church that's continued to change over time and continue to be a light. And we haven't lost the main thing because the main thing is Jesus. And he'll always be the main thing. And we're not drifting from that. But we're allowing him to prune things through time so we can produce more fruits. Gideon had to walk through this. While Gideon had grown an army of 10,000 soldiers, 
and he was convinced he needed all 10,000 in order to attack and win the, the victory, God says, go down to the river and, and take a drink and watch how people drink from the river. Watch how people drink. Watch, watch the people who go all in to the river. And then the ones who don't, let them go. It's nothing wrong with them. It's that I'm setting you up for a victory and I need a specific type of people for this season. There's a specific type needed for this season. You'll get the others back later on. But for now, I'm looking for a specific type. And so Gideon is watching as God begins to dwindle his army of thousands down to 300 men. God always subtracts before he multiplies. God always removes things before he begins to grow things in your life. Pruning problems. Number three, pest problems. Ooh, I felt the Holy Spirit on that one. Some of y'all are like, I know who my pest is. Pest problems. What destroys trees? What keeps trees from flourishing? Canker worms, little foxes, locusts, swarms of locusts, stripping fields, destroying green vegetation, swarming groups of negativity, swarming groups of gossip, swarming locusts of complaining attitudes. Locusts suck the life out of the tree. Pests suck the life out of your relationships. Something happens in the locust brain. It's a serotonin that changes and literally flips them into destructive mode where they become toxic and they just destroy what's ever in their path. Canker worms. I planted a river birch tree a couple years ago and at first it was beautiful. It was producing great green fresh leaves and it, and it was growing fast and, and, and literally in less than two months it had grown over a foot and a half taller than what, what it was when I planted it. So the soil was good. The tree was growing. The leaves were growing. And then all of a sudden, spots started going on the leaves. Holes started appearing in the leaves. The leaves started withering away. And I was trying to figure out what's going on with the tree. And from a distance, I couldn't figure out what's going on. It's got water. It's got good soil. And then I got closer, and I saw canker worms all over the tree. And little caterpillars, like slimy ones. And I began to pull them off one by one. And the larva that was connected to And the, the slimy, junky stuff that was... I began to pull them off. And with each one that I was pulling off, it was like it was clinging to the tree, like, I've got a hold of this tree. I was like, no, you don't, Satan, in Jesus' name. This is my tree. This is my family. This is my son. And you're not going to suck the life out of my daughter. And no, you won't, pest. Some of you have been letting some pest suck the life out of your family. Oh, I'm speaking more prophetic than you realize. You think I'm talking about trees. I'm talking about your kids. I'm talking about your husband. I'm talking about your dad. I'm talking about your spiritual life. And we think we know who the pests are. We're like, oh, I know who the pest is. His name's Zach, and I'm coming for him right now. No, I'm just kidding. If, if you're Zach, you're a good guy. Let me, let me come up with another name. Uh, his, his name's like Bartimaeus. There's no, there's no Bartimaeuses in the house. If your name's Bartimaeus, you're a good guy too. But hey, some of us, we have a name of the pest. We're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get that girl pest off of him, you know, and I'm, I'm coming. But what if the pest is you? People are just stepping out for a bathroom break right now. They're like, I'm leaving. You offended me. <laughs> Stay. Stay planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. I'm coming for the pest. What about the pest of you complaining all the time? What about the pest of you refusing to take responsibility? 
What about the, the past of, of, of you sticking stubbornly to how things have to be your way? Where's the humility? Where's the forgiveness? Where's the teachability? Where's the willingness to compromise and change so that there can be peace, so that there can be reconciliation? Where's the willingness to come in agreement? Right? And, and, and oftentimes we have these pest problems in our heart, our attitude, because we've allowed stones to build up. And so we've become self-sabotaging pests of the, the fruit that God wants to produce in our own lives. It's like we're, we're hacking away at, at our own branches. And God says, you're not pruning, you're attacking yourself. You keep putting yourself down this path of shame. One of, one of the pests that, that oftentimes that hurts us is, is our own feelings of shame. Just holding on to regrets. Holding on to feelings that I missed it, and so I'm just going to beat myself up every single day. And I might as well just keep on missing it because I already missed it too many times to try to make it right. And the shame game destroys the fruit. It's a pest. It begins, it's like a canker worm. It sucks the life out of the branches God's trying to produce. Number four, the fourth reason people don't flourish, too much sun. Too much sun. And I'm telling you, we love sun. And, and a lot of us in the room are excited about sunny days because summer is coming up and we're saying, man, I'm thankful the winter is over and the rain is over. Give me the sun. I want a suntan. I want to be outside. How many are looking forward to the sunny days? Yes, me too. And we need those sunny days. But if the entire year was sunny every single day, some of y'all are like, that would be awesome. Let's move to Florida, you know. But if every single day was sunny, you wouldn't grow. You wouldn't grow. Because only sunny days, it won't produce growth. You have to have rain in order to grow. You have to go through other seasons in order for you to grow. If every season was sunny, if every day was perfect, perfect days 100% of the time actually leads to less growth. Easy seasons actually produces less fruit in your life. The pandemic produced more fruit in our church than I've seen in the last few years. It forced us to grow through difficulties. Adversity is healthy for the believer. It's healthy for the church. The church thrives through adversity. Too much sun is unhealthy for a person and the church. You wonder why this church has been so productive and so fruitful over 40 years. It's because we've had to endure some rainy seasons. But the rain always leads to rain. I wrote a song when I was in high school called April Showers Bring May Flowers. And we used to sing it. Our band, we would travel around, play for youth groups. And every time I sang that song, someone would come up after the service and they'd say, my life feels like it's been nonstop April showers. And I said, get ready. May flowers are coming. May flowers. God has fresh life. He sure does. He sure does. I spy life growing inside you. The fifth reason people don't flourish is not enough water. Not enough water. The Bible refers to water for multiple reasons. Again, water is actually the, the fourth most mentioned topic in the Bible. So it's God, people, trees, and then water. Water's right there. It's in Genesis 1, and it's in Revelation 22, the rivers of water. Jesus talks about rivers of living 
water. The water represents the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the washing of the water of the Word of God. If you don't get the Word and you don't get worship and you don't get the presence of God, you won't be able to last in the rains out there. There's a greater rain in here that supersedes the rain that's out there. When you're going through a flood out there, you need to get inside an ark in here and allow the rain of the Holy Spirit and the rivers of living water to, to, to begin to wash you and renew your mind and teach you how to handle pain and how to turn pain into grain in your life no rain no grain no pain no gain God says the rain out there should drive you to find the rain in here so if you're going through rainy seasons out there the best place to be is in the rain of his presence and without water we don't grow we, if we don't get the water we need the water of his word we need the water of the presence of God but we also Jesus says the rain falls on the just and the unjust Hebrews chapter 6 says the land that drinks in the rain that often falls upon it will produce a harvest that is useful for the farmer if it drinks in the rain. But verse 7, it says the land that rejects the rain and produces thorns and thistles becomes useless to the farmer. In other words, how you handle the, the painful seasons of your life, you either get bitter or you get better. You either go forward or you just start withering away. And you say, Paul, it's too hard. I lost my dad lost my job, I don't want to go to church anymore, I don't want to be around fake people anymore, and then you start judging everyone, calling everyone fake, and, and you're, you're drifting away. Or, when you're going through tough times, you say, I lost my dad, I lost my job, I lost my friends, God, I need you. God sees repentance, he spies life. When God sees humility, he spies life. I spy with my little eye, fresh life. When we get planted in the house of the Lord, there's several things that happen, but I want to leave you with three. Number one, you grow. You grow. When you're in good soil and you get the good nutrients, you begin to grow. Read your Bible and pray every day and you grow, grow, grow. You begin to grow. The roots go down deep. By the way, you only grow when you're planted. If you keep uprooting yourself every time you're offended, you don't grow. That's why the tree has to stay in the soil. If you get angry and upset at this church, I'm telling you, the best thing to do is walk in love and forgiveness. If you get offended, choose to mature. Maturity in a believer is able to move forward through offense after offense after offense and stay planted and keep growing and keep producing fruit and keep forgiving. And you're not a rug mat. You become a bridge. And sometimes bridges get walked on, but they begin to connect people to the purpose of God and the plans of God. And you grow as a mature believer. And without adversity, you don't 
don't grow. And if you run from adversity and pain and you run from relationships that are messy, you don't grow. But if you stay planted and rooted, you produce fruit. Even in your old age, Psalm 1 verse 1 says, blessed is the man who doesn't, seat in, 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 who doesn't sit or step in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or in the company of mockers and, and complainers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditated on it day and night. They will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Even in their old age, they still bear fruit. The second thing that happens when you're planted, you find life-giving relationships. You become part of the family. The longer you stick around in this place called victory, you start to find some other people, and they know your name, and you know their name and you exchange phone numbers. And when your son goes to the hospital, they're praying for him. And when you need help, and when you're searching for the right man, they say, let me set you up on a blind date. And you get married in this house, and you find the man of your dreams. I'm telling you, stick around, don't run. There's some good men in this house. There's some good women in this house. You find life-giving relationships. You find your purpose when you're planted in the house of the Lord. The righteous will flourish like the cedars of Lebanon. Number three, you find your place to serve and impact others with your gifts my grand grand who's 97 she was so productive this last year even in a pandemic every single day she would find people to call pray for over the phone minister to what is she doing she's bearing fruit even in her old age her leaf has not withered her passion for God has not withered her impact and influence on people God has a purpose for your life God wants you to produce fruit that doesn't just mean make money that means be productive for the kingdom of God be salt and light be an influence on your community you start looking at your job differently you start looking at people differently you start seeing every Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday as a day of purpose people that you can minister to you become obedient to the little heatings of the spirit you start understanding the voice of God you start recognizing that still small voice and you act on it and you see another fruit pop out and another apple come out another orange come out where'd that come from I see I spy life come on stand up to your feet today you guys receive that word I spy just say it with me I spy life I spy life Lord I pray that you would show us the areas in our life the, the soil spots that are rocky that are shallow Lord I pray that you would show us the pest problems, God, the things, the areas in our own attitude and heart that have become mean, that have become cruel, that have become harsh, that have become complacent, whether it's towards ourselves or towards others, God, I pray that you would show us areas where we need to just hit refresh, and we just need your Holy Spirit to come and cleanse us from the inside out. Lord, I pray that you would show us how to flourish. I thank you, God, that you want every person in this room to flourish. Even when they're walking through a, a painful season, I pray God, just like Noah sent out that dove to see if there was any life left, if there was future, if the best days were still in front of them or if they were behind them. I pray that today it would be like a dove returning to someone today, watching online in this room. It's like the dove is bringing them this sermon as a branch to say, life is here. Life is coming to your soul. God is not finished with your story. You might have walked through the flood of a divorce, but God has restoration. God has redemption. God has a new story. God has a new chapter for you. There's a branch of life that's coming to you today. The word is coming to you. I spy life. And God said through the prophet Isaiah, I will send out my word and it will not return void. 
He's sending out the dove with the branch. And he's saying, I want to produce fresh buds in you again. I want to bring you back to that place of humility, that place of teachability, that place of surrender. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here right now, you just know the Lord's telling you there's some things that needs to be pruned. There's some things he wants to work on in the soil of your heart. Just raise your hand all over this room. That's you. God's talking to you. There's some things in the soil. There's some things that God's saying, I need to prune. There's some attitudes. There's some stuff that's been holding you back from growth, from flourishing. Maybe you're here today and you say, Paul, I just need to flourish. And, and I know that there's some things I need to surrender to God to see that happen. If that's you, raise your hand. Yeah, God's speaking to you. There's some new seasons that God wants to bring you into, but you need to release some old stuff. You need to let go of even comfort zone, fears. If you raised your hand or you just need prayer today, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar all over this room, from the front to the back. Come and join it. We're just going to worship for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you say, I just need prayer for the future. I need direction for my next season. I need to get down to that altar to let the Holy Spirit speak to me. I need to hear his voice. I need to know what's next. I need to know where God's leading me. I need to know some decisions I need to make. There's some relationships I need healing in. I need God to move in some areas in my heart and my life and my family and my relationships. There's some attitude things that need to be changed in me. Yeah, let's just worship. Let's just begin to sing, Holy Spirit.
nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus what a powerful Every time God sees hearts in humility, hearts in repentance, every time he sees hearts willing to allow him to change things or prune things, he says, I spy life. I spy life. When Jesus was in the tomb for three days and the enemy thought he had won, God could see it coming before anyone else. I spy life. I spy resurrection life inside of you. God sees it. He sees it. He sees it. In the book of Job, it says, when Satan came to talk to God about Job and see if Job would curse him, God said, see, he has not cursed me. Even after all of these bad things have happened, and God blessed him double for the, the trouble he walked through. God saw that Job was righteous, that he was willing to endure the pain and the persecution and still cling to his hope in God, his trust in God. And God restored everything the enemy tried to steal from him. God's going to restore what the enemy's tried to steal to you. And I just hear God saying, I spy life inside of you. I see fresh life growing. I see restoration coming. I see restitution coming. I see a reinvention coming. There's going to be a, there's a new you emerging. There's new branches God wants to produce. He says, don't get too, too stuck on one branch because I have another branch. I want to produce some new fruit. You, you might have been doing good in this area and that's good, but I've got another branch. I'm going to give you some fresh new vision over here and I'm going to give you fresh fruit over there. And, and yes, you've been blessed here, but as I'm leading you into this next season, you're going to be blessed there too. Lord, I just thank you, God, that you would cause us to just trust in you as the gardener of our soul, that you're pulling out weeds and thorns and pruning branches and, and preparing us, God, for fresh new buds and fresh fruit to grow in our lives. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. You are the vine and I am the branch and I will remain in you. I repent of sin. I receive your forgiveness. You are my Lord and Savior. Help me to flourish. Help me to produce fruit that brings you glory. I'm all yours, God. Prune whatever you need to prune. Do whatever you want to do. Have your way in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. Thank you for lingering today. God bless you.